Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and this is where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter, Built by Scott, and Instagram at King O'Kane, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page, Scott G. Livingston. My goal is to empower and inspire a community of people who take every opportunity to live a high-performing life. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Seven years ago, Jamie and I set out to answer a question. Can you integrate the worlds of therapy and performance so that they work together for the benefit of the client? We knew that if we could create something truly tangible that was inclusive instead of exclusive, it would allow you, the practitioner, to solve more problems, work with purpose instead of a cross-purpose, and in the end, you would earn more income by working smarter, not harder being fulfilled, and sought after for your solutions. After creating reconditioning and witnessing the change of so many professionals' lives and practices, we knew still there was one more ingredient we needed to make it a bulletproof process. For so many years, the brain and central nervous system were not clearly understood. There were a lot of theories and interesting practices, but the research just wasn't there to support the claims. But in the last 10 to 15 years, the world of neurology has come out of the laboratory into the world of real application. We knew this was the missing piece of our process, bringing the current practices of applied neurology into the empowering practice of reconditioning. Introducing Neuro Reconditioning, the R-Pro series, four steps, one mission, to make you the neuro reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with. If you haven't started yet, it all starts out with our signature course, R1 Foundations. R1 is about learning the building blocks of assessing and improving functional movement through the lens of applied neurology. Maybe you've taken the first step, but that's a bit like being a freshman in a college. You've only just begun. R2 Designs empowers the process even further so you can assess and improve any human movement, understand the visual and vestibular system, and then integrate your work into performance programming and return to performance. Both of these courses are completely online experiences, so you can digest everything from the comfort of your home, hotel, plane, or office. But knowing that there is so much value in trying, doing, and living the experience with us by your side, our new R3 Collab is about you experiencing the full power of the process in a living lab. Troubleshooting your issues, fixing your problems in real time, and gaining real confidence in the process, as well as learning how the brain integrates and manages everything we do. Finally, our R4 mentorship is about exposing your knowledge, refining your approach, and learning through a powerful feedback process so you can be a reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with. For more information on all our course offerings, including our landmark personal development program, Empower You, please check out reconditioninghq.com today and use the coupon code LYM50 for $50 off any one of our course offering. If maximum strength, injury prevention, and performance enhancement are important to you, Isofit's all-new Maximum Strength Kit is an absolute must add addition to your arsenal. Requiring less than seven square feet of space, Isofit's cost-saving design provides over 2,000 pounds of resistance for millions of isometric-based strength exercise. Made from cold-rolled Canadian steel, Isofit's Maximum Strength Kit is the world's first performance product dedicated to maximizing isometric strength, peak isometric force, and maximum isometric endurance strength. Since 2015, Isofit strength products have proudly strengthened and stabilized athletes in the NFL, NBA, NLB, NHL, and UFC. Pre-sale pricing is on now. Order yours today at www.isofitmsk.ca. That's isofit with a PH. Remember to use the discount code Leave Your Mark to save 15% on your purchase. Shipping February 2022. Matrix Fitness has been the longest standing sponsor of the Leave Your Mark podcast. Greg Lawler, the Vice President of Business Development, reached out to me over a year and a half ago to say that he felt we had a common vision for human performance, something bigger than just helping people physically perform better. Their mission aligns with my mission, the idea that by creating the fertile soil for everyone and anyone to start or continue their personal performance journey, we will be here to help you do it. 
Matrix is one of the biggest brands in fitness and performance equipment today, but they are more than that. They are about helping you reach higher, explore your possibilities, and stay in the game, whatever your chosen path. Whatever you need, whether that is to buy equipment, rent equipment, or seek consultation, or simply recognize the possibilities, Greg and his team at Matrix are here to help you. You can find them at teamupwithmatrix.com today. Everyone struggles with the challenges of life on a daily basis. You're not alone. But if you're like most people, you feel alone, even when you're in a great relationship or a good work environment, because it's so hard to honestly reflect on your insecurities and obstacles with the people that you love or serve. After all, everyone wants to present themselves as being on it, prepared, ready to meet the challenges of life head on. But you know that's not how you always feel inside. Do you sometimes feel as though just having someone to bounce your ideas off of would be something you needed? Maybe you wish you just had someone who would listen to you so you could vent without the fear of judgment. The LYM Life Lab is about real mentorship. It's about me listening to you, connecting, empathizing, realizing, and reflecting so you can make better decisions, create your own change, and live a life of fulfillment and joy. It's not about living the perfect life. It's about living a better life. One you design, craft, explore, and experience within a safe place of objective perspective and honesty but no judgment. In the coming weeks, I will be opening this program up to an exclusive group of people, people who want to see real change in their lives and are willing to work towards real growth. This isn't a program for everyone, but if you're up for the challenge, you'll want to pay close attention to how to be included in this powerful experience. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for how you can be an instigator of your own change. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Don Saladino. Don is a coach, a fitness entrepreneur. For over 20 years, he has coached actors, athletes, and musicians. In 2005, he opened his New York City gym, Drive 495. After operating a gym for 15 years, Don expanded to a global online fitness business. He has developed a reputation for training some of the biggest names in Hollywood for the big screen. He's been tapped as a fitness expert in publications such as Muscle and Fitness, Men's Health, Men's Fitness, and MedRx, and is often requested by media to provide fitness and health expertise. He also sits on the advisory board of Men's Health Magazine. He has twice been honored to be on the cover of the iconic Muscle and Fitness Magazine. Don lives in New York with his wife, Mel, and their two children, Amelia and Donnie Jr., and their two pups, Rigatoni and Sambuca. So my first question is, obviously, you, you name your, your dogs after what you like to eat and what you like to drink. <laughs> Is that correct? So easy. <laughs> we were we said if we were going to get a third dog, we were going to name him Zeppelin. So so Zeppelin. So we had the we had the main course, we had the liqueur, and we had the dessert. So we ended up not getting a third. Very fun. Very That's fun. awesome. Yeah, it's good so fun. it's nice. We you and I just met. Uh, we haven't known each other for very long. We were down at a Perform Better Summit in uh, Rhode Island, and it was uh, really a pleasure to connect with you. And uh, I really liked uh, your character and energy and stuff. So I wanted to have you on the podcast. I think having stories from all kinds of different directions is great. So, are you a new New York boy through and through? You grew up in in New York, or where did you grow yeah, up? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Long Island, New York. So I I, I lived here from. Uh, Oh, oh God, up until college, went okay. off to school in Connecticut. I played uh, college baseball at Sacred Heart University. And then um, I ended up moving into Manhattan around 1999 and then I moved out around Hurricane Sandy. So, you know, it was a good, um, yeah, I had a good 13 or 14 years in the city, um, had our two kids and we moved out to Long Island and uh, we've been here since. That's awesome. So what are you dreaming of being when you're a little boy? Oh, I was a baseball player. Come on. It was, yeah. uh, okay. you know, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, from the age of about second grade, I had a bad stuttering and hearing problem at a very young age. And I ended up, um, you know, getting really good at baseball. I ended up going off to college to play and had a great four year career at my university. And, um, you know, I, I think that was, that was the, that was the dream. And then when, when I graduated a couple pro tryouts with the Mets and Seattle Mariners, I got picked up to play professionally over in Europe. And at that point I, I just, you know, it was a good decision. I said, you know, I mean, my, my, my focus is somewhere else now. And I knew it was in the fitness. Like I was just mm-hmm. so obsessed. I was so obsessed with it. And I knew that was the direction I wanted to go. I think it was time to close the door to an old dream because a new one opened up and it, it's, it's been, um, 
I mean, honestly, 24 years in the business already and, and to see that you know, to kind of step back and look at the trajectory, you know, I'm really proud of what I've done, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I know that I'm just getting started, which is the best part. But um, looking back and what I've done in my career so far, I'm, I'm definitely um, very excited about the direction it went in. What did playing baseball teach you um, and help you in terms of your career? You know, it was definitely wor- a, a big portion was work ethic. Uh, I think no matter what I've ever done, I always knew um, I was always very good at what I've always done, uh, what I've always done or what I've, I'm sorry, what I've always worked to do. But um, I always knew there was someone better. Right. Like I always, you'd always run into one person that was better or you know, traveling, playing ball. You're at a division one university playing other division one schools. And there were always people who were doing better, but the one thing I could control was work ethic. Right. And mm. it was just always making it a point to be the one running in upfront or the first one in at practice, the last one to leave. And it was just this work ethic where my, I, I, I remember my, my coach at sacred heart, his name was Nick Giaquino. He um, won a Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins. No, I'm sorry, the Redskins. Lead blocker for uh, John Riggins. He actually scored a, a touchdown in the, in the Super Bowl. Ended up being a, a baseball coach. He even told me, he's like, you're one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And that was something I've always pri- prided myself on being. Um, uh-huh. and, and that was something that I always took, in, even in the workforce. I just, even training people on the floor. Like I, I would look at other coaches who were getting tired of complaining about seven or eight sessions a day. And I was like, all right, I'll do 13. Like it just, it was that, it kind of sounds a little bit of an ego thing, but I was always, you know, thriving on trying to outwork people, you know, even, you know, with lifting or working in the gym, it just, that was part of what I always enjoyed doing. It was never a competition really with, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a competition with others. It was more of a competition within, within myself, but mm. that work ethic, pushing myself to those, you know, outer limits was something that I've always enjoyed doing. Is that something that you took from your mom and dad, or is that just something that was innate to you? Like, uh, what'd your mom and dad do or your dad do? You know, my dad was in the catering business. He was a very hard worker. He worked mm-hmm. for many years. Um, I probably took it, you know, when, when I think of that work ethic, I really think of my grandfather. You know, I think mm-hmm. of stories that were instilled in me at a very young age, how my grandfather had to go work at a fruit stand before school at three in the morning and then go to school and then after school, go back and work at his father's fruit stand. You, you know, um, his parents were were obviously immigrants um, over from Italy. So, you know, I think that work ethic at a young age, just having that instilled in me, uh, working at a catering hall at, you know, 10, 11 years old, they're putting me in a little tuxedo, putting me in the quarter to sweep up floors in between parties and, you know, having to just, you know, I, I worked some crazy hours as a kid, like looking back on it now, when I wasn't playing whatever my season, my sport was, I was going into work some days on set. Actually, let me recorrect it every weekend. As long mm-hmm. as I didn't have a game Saturdays, I would go into work at t- you know 10 a.m. I'd leave with my father at 3 a.m. the next day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long that's a long day to go through as a 15 year old kid, a 16 year old kid. But my parents believed it would help me kind of you know mold me and keep me out of trouble. So I think it was the combination of seeing my family in that work environment and also a bunch of insecurities that I had as a young kid and seeing how I was able to stand out. Right. And mm-hmm. I think I, I enjoyed that. It was something that gave me fulfillment. It gave me this sense of, um, of, um, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it's this, this, this sense of being for me to mm-hmm. be able to just go and, 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 and work and stand at work people and, and be at the front of the front of the line. So that was something I think at a very young age was pretty much instilled in me. And then I really knew nothing, you know, I really didn't know any different. I, it was mm-hmm. to the point where I opened my businesses in the city, I probably had some bad habits that I started out with. Like being from an Italian family, you're going to yell and you use your hands and <laughs> you're going to be very kind of a, aggressive and, I remember being in a couple meetings and being a little hyped up and people being a little like, who the hell is this lunatic? (laughs) You know, and and it's stuff that like, you you know, I think with with those times, it's just times are different now. You you can't Mm -hmm. communicate with people that way. So, you know, I learned the hard way at a young age, but, um, you know, I wouldn't go back and change anything. So did you discover training as part of training for baseball or you just discovered as something you were interested in doing as a, as a you know, teenager it's probably, or whatever? It's probably a little bit of both. I think when I was in high school and I started training, it was for, for baseball. Right. And then you start coming into school and the, you know, and the girls are looking at you going, Oh wow, you look good. You, 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 you know, you look, what's, what's happening. And you're suddenly like, Oh, all right, this is, I can get stronger. I can, 
be better for baseball and I could be good with the women. Like, this is, like a, <laughs> this is great. So it was actually really funny. One time I was so obsessed with it at a young age. I remember going to work. I remember during the summertime, I would work all day at, at the catering hall at the time or during the summer, I'd have to work weekends, but during the week they would have me working in maintenance, um, you know, at this catering hall. And then after work, I would drive to my games, which was, um, God, I remember in high school, I was playing for the Long Island Tigers. And then after high school, um, I was playing for a team in Brooklyn. So I would have a commute to drive to play. And then when I get done with the game, I would drive to Wall Street Gym, which was in um, um, in my town, Huntington. I wouldn't get home until like 11 o'clock. And I remember one time I got in trouble and my, and my parents were like, you're grounded from the gym. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, and I remember looking at him like, how you grab me from the gym? Grab me from going out with my friends. I won't drink over the weekend. Like, you want to grab me from something? Grab me from that. Don't grab me from something that's that's good for me. And they were like, you got a good point. You're grounded from going out over the weekend. And I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> but it was just like, I was like, it was just like, I'm like, don't ground me from the yeah, gym. Yeah. Like I, I need this. The, the parting end of it, like whatever I could deal with without. And that's God. I mean, I, I, I incorporated that at a young age and it's just kind of stuck with me since. Was it a challenge for you to give up baseball? Like, did you end your baseball career on sort of a, I'm, I'm, I've done it, been there, done that, and I'm happy with what I did? Or did you ever struggle with that? I didn't struggle with it. I think it was because I had this new focus of fitness, right? Like, okay. it's, 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 it's ironic because the two things in my life I thought I was going to have the most difficult time parting from was baseball at a young age and then my club. And I was fortunate enough to be able to leave both of them on good terms with leaving. Mm-hmm. And you, you just made me think about that. Cause I was like, Oh, that's interesting. What else was I? And I thought, well, when I, when I, when I left drive back in May of 2020. So yeah, no, I was able, I, I think when I, when I realized I have something and it's something, I don't want to say it's better, but something I'm more focused on, or it's that mm-hmm. next stepping stone. It's very easy for me to be able to transition. I'm like, Oh, all right. Like this is chapter two. Hmm. Right, right. And I'm excited about it. And now I'm hmm. diving all in. And it was, it was crazy because I remember going off and working for Equinox in 99 and like them giving me my purple shirt, which is like, it means I'm cleaning up weights. <laughs> it's like, and I was, I remember going <laughs> to the gym that day and I was like, literally like just so excited, like commuting into the city on my own, making my own paycheck. I had my own boss, you know, meaning like someone else I had to report to. I wasn't working for my family. And I remember having that feeling of like, Oh my God, this is awesome. In New York city, I'm doing this hmm. in the city. And at that point, it really was a pretty crazy trajectory of like, all right, was there for a year, left, started my own training business and immediately started making some good money. And just, I never worried about getting clients and I never pushed, I never pushed the sales tactic on people. I just went and I, my business plan was to make them leave in that hour feeling better and having that ability to sit with them and make them feel very comfortable and adapt to their mood and personality was something I feel like I was very talented at. And, um, you know, and then my business grew and then I got around some really powerful people and they wanted to see me do well. And then they, you know, helped me out and then I get funded and I, and it's, and then things just start snowballing. And then you have project after project after project, a lot were successes and a lot were failures. And you just kind of pivot and you develop a sense of resiliency and you move forward and you move forward and you move forward. It's just been like, it's just been that, you know, path, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the entire time. Let's circle back and unpack a little bit of that initial. So what informs you when you first start training clients that one, you can do this and and two, you said this was my sort of business belief system. What informs your business belief system? Because I think for the listener, you know, there, a lot of people they want who get into human performance, training, et cetera, they sort of see it as X, Y, Z, and they don't necessarily know, okay, how do I actually start to, to get people to pay attention to what I'm doing and, and enjoy what I'm doing? And, and they miss, and, you know, they get wrapped up in the A's and, Z, and Z's of doing the programming. But I want to hear sort of how did you recognize, A, you had a talent, B, what you could do, and C, what you could offer to the client sort of thing? Well, one, it just felt right. You know, when you mm-hmm. get into an environment and, and, and you're working and you're like, this just feels good. Right. And I feel comfortable. And it was just this level of confidence that I had and this ability to be able to communicate, which I really kind of give that to my parents 
I thank them for that. Or, or maybe it was the ability I was working in catering halls since I was 10 years old. You know, mm-hmm. like you have five parties going on at once and you're working in these parties and I'm waitering at a young age and talking to people at the table and I'm seeing problems, you know, happen and watching my father diffuse those problems. And you'll see alcohol involved with people and see how that goes wrong. Like you out of nowhere at a very young age, get thrown kind of into the fire and you're like, mm-hmm. all right, this is how, this is how situations need to be handled. And it was like going to, it was like going to school at a very young age. I mean, that, that working environment for me was something I will never go back and I would never change. I mean, that I think is one of the, the turning points in my life. That's what mm. molded me into the direction I am in now. Um, but I think when it comes down to coaching, I didn't worry about all that external noise. I didn't worry. I knew I had to pay bills. I knew specific things were, you know, listen, you got to make a living, I, but I didn't even think of that. Mm. I just thought about going in and training you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's like when you, when you talk to someone who's got body composition goals and they're obsessed with the scale, well, that's a lot of additional noise. Like, don't be obsessed with the scale, focus on what needs to be done today and be great at that. I, I did that with, I did that with training. I did that with, with coaching. I would go in and I had this ability to shut off the noise. I get off the phone, a fight with a girl, something was going on and you show up on the floor and it was like, boom, it's that person. Mm. And making it all about them. And then when that hour was over, showing them that you're thinking about them even beyond the session. Maybe it was a text message later on or back back then it was might have been, you know, an email, <laughs> a phone call. I mean, God, it was so long ago. Like I, I remember yeah. having the star tax phone at one point, but there was always this level of communication somehow. And it was like, mm. hey man, uh, just want you to know great job today. And it was just always that it was just always being in it and, and focusing on that. And I think the biggest mistake I see coaches making is when they start obsessing too much over, you know, the fee or charging this, or like, I would just turn around and say, Oh, happy birthday. Like sessions on me. Or like, you know what, like something would happen in the gym. I'd start laughing and we'd make a joke out of it. Sessions on me or bring your friend in. I'm not charging you for that additional session where, you know, these people are like, well, I got two people coming in. Do I charge for it? And I'm like, no, just, charge for your normal session and see if you can land this person as a client. Like coaches are so obsessed over like having to always monetize. And I'm like, you know what? You, you gotta, you gotta touch them in here. You, Mm. you gotta. And that was something I said in the presentation and, and, and you heard it was, you know, how do you allow people to think of this as a necessity and not a luxury? where they actually start thinking about this, not only with their physical health, but like, I need Don, like I need this for my mental health. Every time I get around him, I leave that session. I am in a better place. I can go and I am better at work. I am better for that family. That was my goal with all them. And I think it was a really good business plan to follow because it then led into the celebrity angle, which wasn't the ultimate goal. But when I met Hugh Jackman, he was turning to me, trying to do press for me. And I'm like, no, don't do press. And he's like, why not? I'm like, bro, like you don't need to be worrying about that noise right now. Like, let's just, let's just worry about what we need to do here. And they were, and he was very shocked at that. He was kind Mm. of like, wow, like I, this is bizarre. Like I've never really, and there was no social media then this is 14, 15 years ago. You know, he was talking about, you know, publications, you know, like calling Mm. up GQ and trying to get me in the magazine, which he ended up obviously doing at a certain point. But I think at that point, it then opened the floodgates. And when he mm. started having conversations with people or when Ryan Reynolds started having conversations with people or Blake Lively or whoever it might be, it suddenly was like, you know, no, this, this guy's not only getting us in a great shape, but he has our best interest. And we probably put him up there with one of the top people that we trust in our lives. Mm. And I think that is why um, Drive, my clubs, my club Drive 495 and 443 had probably a a heavier flood of celebrities than I've ever seen. It was this place that they could show up to and try and feel that level of trust. And and that's something I'm, I'm very proud of. Yeah. I want to unpack that in a second. Um, Before we go there in your early days, was there, you don't have to name the person, but was there a client that really um, sort of affected you and made you really recognize that this was for you, that you, that this was a profession you should be doing somebody Um, really even, even maybe changed you more than you changed them in some sense. I wouldn't say from a training standpoint, but from a business standpoint, I had a few of them that really had my best interests. One of them um, was a a guy by the name of uh, Joel Horowitz, the founder of Tommy Hilfiger, Kenny Fox, the CEO of stripes group. Um, Jerry Cardinal, the CEO of Redbird Capital, like very, very, very successful people. 
but there was some, I mean, my talk this weekend where, where it was, um, I performed better a few weeks ago, sales are vanity, profit is sanity. I learned that from Joel. Like I, I flat out took a picture of it and sent it to him. And he goes, I love that line. He taught me that line 10 years ago. And, um, so I, I think even when things went wrong, having the ability to turn around and, you know, go grab a cup of coffee with these guys and sit and talk to them and kind of vent on my issues on what was going on and allowed me to think a little bit differently. I mean, Jerry early on, when he saw me getting into digital 10 years ago, I remember him literally like, he's like not yelling at me, but practically he's like, you are, you need to be great at this meaning the gym. Like you're having struggles with the gym yet you're jumping and you are trying to embark on all these other things, which he was right about. I mean, I, it's, it's like, don't throw so many balls in the air where you're going to start diluting what the main focus is. Mm. Um, when, when I decided not to continue with the gym, I had all this infrastructure in place where I, I gotta be honest, I kind of lucked out. I was able just to put my foot on the gas and then things took off, mm. but he was a hundred percent right of like not allowing there to be too much noise, like focus on being great at this first. And I've seen so many people fail in business when they just get a little overzealous and they're like, okay, um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting really good at this. I'm going to, you know, I, I own a cafe and now I'm going to open up a, a burger joint. You're like, no, like become great at this. And then, you know, when you're Danny Meyer and you want to start, you want to start opening different, you know, concepts and go, you know, be a chef and go right ahead. But um, I, I can't tell you how much I learned from them from a business standpoint, but from the training standpoint, the second I got on the floor floor, I knew I was in the right profession. I really liked what you said about uh, your initial work with uh, Hugh Jackman in the sense that, I mean, I've never really dabbled in that that sector, but working with high-level performance athletes all the time, there's this, you can get into sort of the starstruckedness and the, um, you know, this, what can they do for me kind of thing. And I like the fact that you talked about, you know, this was about them and the that focus. So for the person listening, you know, when you start working with somebody who's more call it high profile, what do you think are the sort of uh, ABC's rules that people should follow to, to create better and better outcomes that lead to potentially more, better clients and more clients in the future? I think it's treating them just like holding yourself to this high level of quality where it doesn't change. So mm. if I work with Ryan Reynolds and I work with, you know, you know, John Smith, I'm making that name up. Like it doesn't, nothing changes. It's, mm -hmm. I'm still going in, I'm still screening, I'm still the same person, I'm still, you know, adapting the training program in a specific way, and I'm still giving them my undivided attention. So, you know, when I get people who contact me and they're like, oh, I want to train celebrities, I'm like, well, really? Like, or do you want to make money? Like, what do you want to do? You want to make money doing what you love, or are you obsessed on training the celebrity? Because for me, like, I didn't decide to train celebrities. It just kind of fell on my lap. And mm -hmm. I found out that there was a niche there and they started coming in and it was, um, you know, it was able to really, you know, put, you know, food on the table. Obviously it's, it's what I did for a living, but it, they were also nice enough to be able to help unsolicited on my end, you know, um, increase my social profile. And they were able to do that out of the goodness out of their own heart. And that, that I really appreciate it. Cause that did help out looking back on it now, you know, it is, there is that element, there is that fine line of like, I appreciate your help, but like, this isn't your job. You're not, you don't have to continue to do this all the time. And if they want to, that's fantastic. But um, I, I think the coach needs to go in and coach mm -hmm. and they need to be, be ex exceptional at coaching. And again, looking at that, that slide I put up in my presentation, evaluate and evolve. I think you have to, you know, you, 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 you have to be sending out surveys. You have to assess what you're doing. You, you have to figure out ways to evaluate yourself, even if you don't have a brick and mortar facility, but if you're a normal everyday trainer, send out a survey, survey monkey to your co uh, to all your clients, something where they can give you an anonymous, anonymous feedback. And, you know, I, I think that's important. And I, and I think it, you know, um, that's how you end up moving forward. And that's, that's how new opportunity gets thrown at you also, right? Like mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of coaches, you know, if they start coaching at a young age, they don't want to be doing that when they're 60, they want to be able to evaluate and evolve into, into um, other areas where they can be successful. How are you able to um, stay? Because what struck me about you when I met you was uh, I, there was this genuine sense that you you are what you do in in essence in a positive way. I don't mean that in a I mean that in a very positive way that you you exude the life of somebody who wants to be fit and healthy and at the same time right. express that to their part. But how do you stay in touch with that? Because some people get consumed by work, you know, like they almost lose themselves in their work. How did you stay connected to yourself in your work? 
Um, you know, it's actually a good question. You know, I, I think staying connected to myself in my work, you've got to have this balance, right? I, you know, I've got a family, I've got a wife and, um, I, I am who I am. And, and I don't know. I, I just, I don't think I've evolved as a person, but I don't necessarily think I've ever become jaded on being with, you know, celebs or flying on private planes or, you know, no, it's not, you know, it's something that's fun and it's nice. It's part of my business. And, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just myself. And I, I think mm-hmm. part of it is you know, I've been around so many people that have such high levels of success. And the ones I think I've really been attracted to are the ones that show this level of humility, mm-hmm. right? It, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, um, the client of mine who actually, you know, has several private jets and when he meets people out at night and they don't know who he is, he tells them that he's a pilot, you know, like that to me. Oh, and he's wearing a Casio watch. Like, I like that. Like, that's just something I'm a little bit more drawn to that level of subtle, you know, my client who, you know, um, is able to help a woman who's dying in the hospital, get the surgery that she needs, you know, because she can't afford it. And, but never, no one ever finds out about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that to me is, is really special. So I think when you surround yourself with people who are not always looking for that recognition on the gram or not posting every single thing that they do, that's good. You start saying to yourself, wow, that was really cool. This person just donated a million dollars and to his church and the church wanted to put a big plaque up of him. And he says, you can put it up and just put the words anonymous on it. You know, and like that to me is like, wow, like that's, that's powerful. That's someone who's doing it for the right reason. So I don't know. I think I've, I've seen that. I've witnessed it. I've been really drawn to that. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of good I would like to do in this world, even financially. Like, I feel like I would, uh, I would be that type of person. Um, you, you may never know about it cause I'm, I'm going to emulate, <laughs> I am going to emulate the, 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 these people do, but that's what I, uh, that's what I think is, is very cool. And I think that's, what's probably kept me grounded to an extent. And I, I really keep going back to my parents. I mean, I've, I've, I've fortunate, fortunate to been put on the earth with two amazing parents that instilled good values. And my wife now is like incredible. And we have two amazing kids and it's, it's never perfect, right? Obviously we always deal with specific issues. They're, they're teenagers, but, um, you know, we're, we're a good family with, uh, with uh, great values. I'm going to unpack that in a second. I'm going to read you your, see, I, I read from this book called The Day You Were Born by this woman, Linda Joyce, who's a New Yorker. She did, uh, did, did does uh, astrology and numerology and combined them. So you were born April 15th, which makes you an Aries 6. So as an Aries 6, your purpose is to accept yourself and learn how to control your desires and your impulsive behavior through self-discipline and good discrimination. Sexy is the only way to describe the Aries 6. These people have charisma with lots of to spare actor billy d williams april 6th personifies the sexy image of the aries six quoted as saying nothing else in the world competes with making love it's rumored he's even better in bed than his fans assume <laughs> <laughs> that a boy billy d he's bringing me back to those he's bringing me back to those cold 45 commercials i used to watch him in, you know he used to say it's a dynamite taste that's what he used to say at the end of the commercial good for billy d i never even heard of this area six thing that's pretty cool <laughs> with natural charm this energy has a tendency towards excess and obsession they are ruled by desire and the love of beautiful things what they need is experience discipline and a, fa- and a failure or two to make them strong venus adds harmony and easy access to difficult places the airy six ability to bond gets them through doors closed to others it did for harold washington and the first african-american mayor of chicago and houdini march 24th the famous magician secured his fame with his ability to escape the impossible restrictions it didn't matter if he was hanging upside down in a straitjacket; he got out quickly it's nice to know you can run away but why waste such magical energy fleeing when you have the power to wrap someone wonderful around your little finger remember choosing is the challenge so that's wow very cool pcu <laughs> very cool i appreciate it that was nice. so where did you how did you meet your your lovely wife and what is she, her yin yin to your yang in some essence um i met her in las vegas she was born and raised there i was there on a wedding was there at a wedding sorry um and i ran into her you know out at the pool and found out she was local and was taking some of my buddies out that night and, and asked her, I remember I said, should we go to taboo or studio 54? And she goes, go to studio 54, asked for this guy, Mike, 
I'll never forget it. I, I went in and asked for Mike. Mike brought it, let us in. And I saw my wife, Mel, we all call her Mel and full name's Melissa, but she comes walking in probably around midnight with like 10 girlfriends. And we just hung and partied. And then we started communicating after that. And she was supposed to take a trip to Chicago. And she's like, you know, I've never seen New York. And I'm like, come on up. And she came to New York and we just had, you know, awesome weekend and it kicked off there. We did a long distance thing for about a year. And then finally I looked at her and it was serious. I mean, it, it got pretty very relaxed, but serious. And then um, I think we would go every, no more than three weeks. I'd fly there three weeks later, she'd fly up and we'd go back and forth. I was in Vegas, I think in that 12 month span, about 15 times, mm. literally. I was like, it was fun. I was like, I didn't have my club yet. I was making money. I would just jump on a flight, you know, Friday night, you know, get there late. She'd be working at, you know, the restaurant she worked at. I'd meet her, bring some friends in. We party, whatever it was, two nights in Vegas out, you know, gone Sunday. And it was just, and then I, I said, I, you know, I think that next step was her moving to New York and she moved to New York. She just kind of got rid of everything she knew, left her family. And she just moved up here. And, you know, we, we were married. Um, I think we were engaged a year later. So, you know, probably three years after we met, we were, um, I think we, we, we married three years after we met roughly about that. And what did she compliment in you in essence that you, that you needed in your life that she balanced for you in some sense? Quick break here and we'll be back in a couple of seconds with our podcast guest. The reconditioning process is powerful, it's provocative, and it has become a sought-after capacity in the human performance world. ReconditioningHQ.com has released the R-Pro Series, a four-step turnkey process to integrating the worlds of therapy and performance. Four steps, one mission, to make you the reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with. The first step is R1 Foundations, and it's recently been turbocharged with the injection of applied neurology. We are extremely excited about what this new capacity is going to do to your ability to solve problems and serve your client. For more information about the R-Pro series or any one of our empowering courses, head over to reconditioninghq.com and take advantage of our free five hours video that takes you through our groundbreaking method of improving mobility. Do you let $100,000 walk out of your rehab business every year? If you're like most businesses, you do. Operating your business under a fix or release model drives your client revenue out the door. For less than $10 per day, Isofit's line of strength products can change your revolving door of lost revenue into a flourishing rehab prevention and performance training business. Call them at 1-866-2-ISOFIT. I-S-O-P-H-I-T and strengthen your rehab business bottom line today. Matrix Fitness is a global brand of fitness and performance equipment with over 7,000 employees worldwide. Their expertise and capacity in this world are exceptional, with over 500 products that cater to the medical, fitness, and athletic performance markets. But they want to do more than provide product. They want to help you thrive as a performance professional or business person. They are here to help. Whatever your problem might be, they are ready and willing to help you find solutions. Greg Lawler and his team at Matrix can be contacted at teamupwithmatrix.com. And believe me when I say this, they will make a difference in your success. We're back. Enjoy the rest of this podcast. This level of like coolness, like she just, she never, you know, I never felt like I had to ask permission. Mm. I never felt like someone was trying to put shackles on me. She knew, she knew immediately who I was. She knew what made me tick and she allowed me to be me. So, and even to this day, it's never been like, well, let me check with my wife. It's like, I probably don't go out and do anything because she's so cool that, you know, it actually allows me to want to be with her all the time. <laughs> so yeah, she is my best friend, but, um, you know, I think it is, it was a much different approach. I don't know if I ever could have been with a, with a woman who, um, was constantly trying to like, you know, keep the handcuffs on me and like lock me down and just, you know, allow me to not be who I, who I am because she's got to be a very confident person. And she is, you know, she, you know, I am, I'm speaking a lot. I'm around a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm in fitness you know, I'm constantly around different women. And I think she's just very confident and very, very humble and very cool. So I think that level, and plus putting aside the fact she's an amazing person, she's beautiful. She's got all this stuff going for her. So, um, yeah. So she just, it was just, a, it was like a perfect fit for us. Like I would get together with her and in a way it was like, you're, you're hanging out with someone who, um, has this coolness factor of just like, let's just chill. Like no stress. What do you, what do you need to do? All right. Like I'll, 
we got to go do this. Let's, let's go do this. It was never like, it was never an issue. So that was what I was uh, really one of the things I was drawn to. Yeah. So tell me about your initial um, foray into building a brick and mortar. So you're, you're training and you're working and then you decide I'm going to build a gym. What, what instigates that? And, and what, what, what did you think it was going to be? And what did it turn out to be that was different than that? Well, when you're a trainer, you, you, you think at the time that this is the, you know, this is the ultimate, right? Like you're a trainer owning a facility. It's just, you know, I, I don't even think I, I thought of it from such a business standpoint, right? I thought of it as like, oh, I want to own my own gym. It's almost like this ego thing where you want your own facility. And it's, you know, you don't really, I, at least I didn't think of it from a business standpoint early on. And um, listen, it was a tough environment to be in. I, I made it. It was 50, I made 15 years. I made my 15-year lease from start to finish and paid every single month and paid every cent in taxes and you know, like to think that I grew pretty good relationships with mostly all of my employees. I mean, there's always a couple where things go a little south, but you're, but you're a boss and it's going to happen. People don't have to agree with how you do things, you know, but I, I do think they have to respect your decision. If they don't, then I don't think there's a place for them there. But, um, I think opening the facility at first, it was something that I didn't really know all of, I, I didn't, I didn't know all the things that were going to come with it. Right. Mm. And, um, it was, it was, it was, it was a tough time. We went through that. It's like, we opened in 05, 06. And then in about 07, 08, you know, that whole crisis with Lehman and, and Bear Stearns goes down and we're, we're hosting corporate events and out of nowhere that business is gone. And then you're literally hemorrhaging money every month and, you know, talk about adapting. And then you, then we launched this digital concept and that's going unbelievably for a while and then not going well for a while. And it's like, you know, it's all these highs and all these lows. So, you know, I think, you know, a lot of the main takeaways was you really learn how to deal with people even better. You learn how to deal with employees even better. Um, looking at me now at 44 and when I got into the business and into that business, the gym business at about 28, I mean, I'm completely different human being. I mean, it's not even, you know, I just, the, the, the level of patience and the level of calmness that you develop, uh, from being in these situations is something that I, they can't teach in school. Like you can go to Harvard business school. You're, you're not going to learn the things that I think a business owner learns when they actually have to, you know, go through some punches, right. They, they have to take some punches and, you know, it, it gets scary when you almost miss payrolls and it gets scary when, you know, Con Ed's shutting down your lights. <laughs> it's like, all right, like these are, these are real things that I hope most people don't have to go through, but when you go through it, um, it definitely changes you, in my opinion, for the better. Mm. And in that f- f- that period of your life, when do you when do you start having kids? Wow, right around then. I got married at twenty nine. I think I had we had Amelia when I was thirty. So that was a few years after. So yeah, it really was. It really was crazy. I mean, I literally opened a gym and got married, and I think in the same year. And then a year later, we're you know having our first daughter, and it was just. Again, I, I never really planned that stuff. I'm not like, oh, well, we're going to find the right time. It's like, we want to have kids. We're going to have kids. We're going to figure it out. Like, that's just how I've always rolled in that sense. Mm-hmm. I think when we're always looking for this perfect timing, it's, you're never necessarily going to find the right time. Something's always going to pop up. And, you know, our survival instincts are good. We're going to figure it out. Like, we, even when we had our first, you know, when we had Amelia, we got pregnant with our son, Donnie, I think four months later. So suddenly it's like, all right, like we didn't expect that, but Hey, you, you roll with it. Now it's the, I mean, we couldn't have orchestrated it any better. They're 14, they're roughly 14 months apart um, to whatever it was, four or five months. But you know, yeah, we would never change it. But in the moment we're kind of like, uh Oh, (laughs) this is going to be tough, but you figure it out. You know, how did, how did having kids change you, man? Um, Again, I keep going back to patience. Like I keep mm-hmm. bringing those words up. Like you develop this level of patience. Um, you got to learn. Uh, I, I think also this, this level of love that you've never really experienced. Like you, you might've thought you experienced it with your parents or your wife, but when you have your own children, everyone knows it's like, if you've had them, like there's this level of love that's just different. It just, it's so much different. And really like you start understanding what it means to actually like when you hear that terminology, I would take a bullet for my kids. Like, no, I really would. But it's, it's, it's not like, as long as they just don't hurt them, make sure that they're healthy and happy and allow them to find some sort of happiness in their life, which I think equates to success. So success, not always being monetary, but if they, if they feel fulfilled in what they're doing, 
and they're happy one day, like to me, like I did my job. Right. Mm. So yeah, I think that's what kids taught me and they're continuing to teach me. Uh, last night, my, my wife and I were having a moment. They were supposed to have their phones in. They didn't have their phones in. We're yelling in the house. They come in and I've got, I've got literally like my hand over my face. Cause I'm trying not to laugh. And it's like, you know, sometimes you're just like, all right, this isn't like, I'm not doing a good job at this. <laughs> this is, I got to stop laughing when I'm reprimanding them. But hey. I love that word patience that you use. And it's, um, <clears throat> I sort of want you to reflect for the listener a little bit in the sense that most people like this, this occurred to me when I watched you do your presentation, you're obviously very accomplished. You've done a lot in your business and parlayed some of the different relationships and exposures in a really positive way. But there's the perception when people watch that, you know, as they do with your own clients is that this is an overnight sort of thing. And obviously there was a lot of patience and a lot of work and a lot of tough times. And it's the same when you're talking to a Ryan Reynolds, I'm sure, or Hugh Jackman, you know, there was times when these guys didn't have jobs and weren't who they are now and stuff. So what can you provide from from an insight of somebody who's done this for 20 years to the listener that, you know, they have to be patient and they have to sort of spend the time and invest the time in what they want to achieve? Listen, I I don't know. I I don't know someone who's found a high level of success that, hasn't at one point turned around and said, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? Like things aren't going well. Like I've had conversations with Calvin Klein, um, the Calvin Klein, my, my, um, my mentor, Joel Horowitz, um, these other people that I've mentioned earlier have, you know, I mean, uber successful and at times, you know, we're sleeping under their desk at a, at a young age, even some of the actors that we're mentioning, right. Some of them have turned to me and they said, I was almost unhirable at one point. And when you actually like, sometimes what happens is I think we focus on like where that individual is now. You might see, Oh, this guy's making millions of dollars and he just looks like he has it all together. But you know, Tom Plummer was said a funny line about me years ago. He goes, yeah, Don, Oh my God, Don's a 20 year overnight success. And it was actually a really funny line because Tom saw a lot of what I went through and um, you know, he, you know, he saw me hit a level of success and I'm very grateful for hitting it, but I'm also like humble and a bit fearful. Like, okay, it's good now. Like, but this, this, this could be gone in a year. I don't know. And maybe that's paranoia Then maybe that's running scared. I don't, whatever it is. It's just, I don't never want, I'm never going to be one to sit here like this, but what I can tell the person listening right now is every single person that I have met has had that moment of like, Oh no, like if this doesn't work out, what is my plan B? And it's scary. It's mm-hmm. a scary feeling, but the best advice I think someone has ever given me is very simple words. It's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you start saying that to yourself um, and you start looking, unfortunately, these, these, these tragic stories you know, going on in our world, even today, you know, even my parents the other day, they, had a, they went to a funeral of a young woman. She was, I think, 22 years old. She was battling cancer for three years. Like, what the hell is 22 years old? That's not even a life yet. You know, you start looking, thinking about those stories and what her parents must be going through right, right now. Um, you start saying to yourself, you know, is it really that bad what I'm going through right, right now? Like, okay, I'm about to miss a payroll or I might miss a payroll. Like I'm going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. And, um, I, I think sometimes we put ourselves into these situations of becoming a bit frantic mm-hmm. and like, well, what if, what if, what if, and it's like, what good is that doing? Like you got to, some of the best, the most creative moments I've ever had in my life was when I was up against the wall going, Oh no. And mm-hmm. it forces this level of creativity. It forces this level of conversation maybe reaching for help. It forces this level of like, all right, having to make some drastic change, which, all right, we just cut 10% off our overhead in the last hour because we had to make this drastic change. That's a plus, right? Like that's like you, and you start um, these creative juices flow. So I think for anyone starting out, who's in kind of a little bit of that panic and worry mode, like relax, like you're, you're going to be all right. Keep working hard. Like this whole trajectory is going to change for you. Like I did not think in 1999 that I would be running, you know, a digital business, you know, 60 feet from my backyard in this place. Like it was not really like, maybe it was a dream back there. I don't remember, but you know, I didn't think it was going to go in the route. I didn't think I was going to be doing digital media. What the hell was digital media back in 99? No one that. That wasn't even, those weren't even words. So it's pretty wild. What gets thrown at you in your career I understand and respect the starting at the finish line thing. Like, all right, well, you got to have your plan in place, but 
that plan changed for me a lot. And it plan, mm-hmm. it changed for almost every single person that I know. Like you can plan, mm-hmm. but be prepared to pivot. Right. No, that's, I love that. That's a uh, huge. So you, you get into this more digital media world and it seems like you've found a resonance in it. Um, part of that I think is sharing yourself. And so when do you, when do you recognize that you actually get joy out of sharing yourself and sharing what you learned and whether it's speaking in front of in the public or doing presentations and, or just sharing yourself in the media to express what you're doing, what, what, what resonates for you in that? You know, like, like I said, I go back to that feeling. It just feels good. Even presenting now and starting to do these mastermind courses, I'm really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really, and I, and I talked about that at perform better. My my first slide was passion and purpose, right? It was going into that first detail of sometimes, you know, it's got to feel right. If I'm involved in something, even if it's a post and it doesn't feel right, it always underperforms. Like if I'm, if I'm shooting content and it doesn't feel right, it always underperforms. Mm -hmm. But if I'm getting into something and I'm like, wow, this, this, this feels good. This feels right then that's a big indicator for me that it's time to put my foot on, foot on the gas. So yeah, I'm going to evolve that talk that I did with you. I'm going to turn it into a, either a one or two day seminar. We're going to expand upon it. I'll bring my wife in who handles a lot of the back end to really help people and educate them because um, on, on a lot of the computer work that has to go into it. And, you know, we'll do a section on public speaking. We'll do, um, which I like to call storytelling. Like there's all these different segments that I feel like I can offer because yeah, I've done a lot of live TV. I've been on camera a lot. I've been, you know, um, shooting video for, you know, well over a decade right now, professionally and getting paid for it. You know, it's probably closer to 12 years now. So, you know, I think being able to tie in those experiences I went through with brick and mortar and digital there, I, I don't know, there's, there's not a ton of people who have that resume and I think are able to really bring them together and are able to talk to, yeah, the nutritionist, the physical therapist, the gym owner, the trainer, and show them, guys, listen, like we got to think about this a little bit differently. Like you can continue to get certifications, but these are areas right now that if you want to become, and I say this in a good term, a monster in the industry, if you want to be someone who can really, you know, make that dent, if you're really someone who wants to make that difference and positively influence people, um, you've got to take a step back and you got to start assessing where you're putting your time in. And mm-hmm. um, that's something right now I think I'm as ironically, I'm about as excited to do that as I've you know, ever been to even coach. Like it's, it's funny how, again, whoever thought I'd be doing this, but going with it. And every time I feel like I make that pivot and it's something that I feel like I'm fulfilling that and checking that passion and purpose box, 10 out of 10 times, I feel like it becomes a success. And um, awesome. so I'm going to go with it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, just for the listener, because, you know, you, there's a lot of, um, and, and I think for myself too, there's a lot of, um, you know, advice seek presenters out there about how you market and it's always about the customer and trying to make sure you're understanding what their pain points are and all these kinds of things. But how have you been able to um, balance between what you need to do and what you love to do or want to do so that you're actually not sort of pushing out information that, you know, you're kind of, okay, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do, but you're not at, there's no joy in it. And you seem to have found a balance in that. What is, what is that resonance? I used to have this line. We got to throw balls in the air when we're getting started. So for that new coach coming in, you got to give yourself opportunity, but it also gets to a point where you start looking at what sticks and you start saying to yourself, I got to put my eggs into here, right? Like, mm. all right, I made, six figures doing, uh, make six figures a month doing this. I got to focus on that a little bit more, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I can't mm-hmm. start jumping into this area, which could start taking away from something that's making a lot of money for me. So I think you start getting good and you need to really, again, it's that whole slide on evaluating and evolving. And you got to evaluate where your focus is being put and you got to evaluate where your time, how your time management is. And at a certain point you start making de- decisions. All right. I've been focusing the last six years on this app and it's making me 15 grand. Yet I just started this out and within a year, it's making me 200 grand a month. Am I going to keep, you know, putting all my focus into this app or am I going to put my focus more into this thing that's making me 200,000 bucks a month? And, and I think those aren't accurate numbers. I'm just throwing numbers out there, but, <laughs> um, but, um, but I, I am a believer now that you got to start turning around and you have to start kind of stroking and massaging those relationships and those things that are 
really paying dividends off to, to you. And it's like, okay, well, if this thing's making me 200 K and this is growing, you know, 30% a month. Well, what happens if we start running apparel through there and supplements through there? And what happens if I start getting kickback from this company? And it's like, all right, like this is a, this is a revenue stream. Oh, wait a second. We could start tying brands through here now because the growth is so high and the stickiness of the user is so high that this is going to be a really beneficial way to get brands involved. And then brands start getting interested. Oh, I could start making money off of brands now on top of all this. Interesting. And you start developing this mechanism is what I like to call it. And you just put your foot on the, on the gas. So I think it's, it's a great part to, it's a great place to be in, in your career. When you say, all right, I got to start making some decisions. This is doing really well for me. This isn't as much. I may be better off just maybe putting this on the side a, a little bit, but again, evaluate and evolve. Like you, um, as a, as a business person, you can't sit here and continue to do things because you think it's doing okay for you. If you want to be great in business, um, you've got to assess, all right, like this, we need to start putting more eggs into this basket. I mean, a great story that I have was I, I, I had this coach who worked for me years ago, really nice kid, really good looking, smart coach, but he just wasn't that motivated. And I was keeping him aboard because he was doing a good job. He was showing up for his sessions. The members liked him. There was nothing wrong. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, so-and-so's working. He's fine. Like there's not a lot of growth going on, but he's not doing anything wrong. He's doing a good job with the people that he had. The second I decided to part ways with him, I took his book. I moved it to a handful of other coaches that were hungry. And he took those people that might've only been doing one session a week. And they moved to three because they were so motivated and so hungry about this new face that they were in front of. And that coach was hungry and was pushing them to kind of work more and do more. And it was a big lesson for me because I was like, wow, like sometimes we always think about parting ways or leaving something because there is this like, there's this point of, oh my God, this is bad. Or like, oh my God, this went wrong. But I think evaluating that branch of your business and saying, all right, you know, this isn't, I'm not getting what I could be getting out of this. That's when you start getting good and you start making good business decisions and then turning around. So I took this one coach who might've been working. I'm going to make this number up. Might've been doing five sessions a week. And I moved those five sessions a week, which are five different people over to three new coaches that turned that five sessions a week into 15 to 20 sessions a week. Everyone's happy. The coach is making more money. The club's making more money and the client's seeing more results because they're in front of someone that's motivated and doing a great job. So I, I failed in my attitude because I left this guy on for probably a year too long. And I should have assessed that it was time to move on. But we get very comfortable and very complacent with the situation we're in. Just had a conversation with someone who has an assistant working for them for, you know, 10 years. And it's time to move on. They're having a tough time doing that. So it's like, all right, but you know what needs to happen. Maybe that person need, wants to move on also. I think it just comes to a point where you got to assess, listen, this is, you know, we've overstayed our welcome. We had a good run. It's time to move on. Mm -hmm. So we're getting close to the end here. I want to sort of get the listener to understand what's your what's your mission moving forward. Where where is uh, Don five going or whatever you might call it at this point? Yeah, I'm going to continue to do everything I'm doing with my digital programming um, because I love it and it's doing very well. And we're and, and our testimonials and success stories are incredible. But I am definitely going to get into a lot more of the public speaking and the educational side of it. I think um, there's there's a lot I, I can teach through my close to 25 years of experience. I'm going to be hosting one day courses. I'm going to be hosting, you know, like I did last weekend, a three hour mastermind. It was very well re received. People um, got a lot out of it. And I just feel like with all the content and all the stuff that I can put on a paper, um, I feel like it's going to be fun for me to to watch the growth of these fitness professionals. Cause it is the area that most of them are struggling on. They've spent their whole life becoming great at their craft and they need to realize now that they have to take their focus and continue it in the area that they're in. But if they want to become a monster in the business, they, they got to start diversifying um, their time with education and focusing on other areas. That's going to help them monetize. If somebody wants to invest in some of the things you're doing, where do they find you, Don? You can find me at donsaladino.com or my Instagram Don Saladino, you know, you can always DM me um, and I'll get back to you. So if I go back and I uh, talk to that uh, 
boy who just finished his dream playing baseball and now he's going to go into the fitness industry and you ran into him in a hallway, what would you say to that guy? Dude, relax. (laughs) (laughs) I would literally walk up to my arms. I'd put my arms around my shoulders, my own shoulders. as if I was about to give myself a kiss and I'd look, I'd get this far to my face and think, my man, relax, be patient, relax. Like you've got certain boxes checked already, like this work ethic thing, the type of person you are, all this thing, all these things that, that, you know, you're good at keep, you know, keep doing those things. That's, that's, that's great. And that's a gift, but there's other areas that you have to just the patience, relax, like don't try and force every situation. Don't try and, you know, force things to happen. Sometimes you just got to sit there and it's, it just, it's, it's like a bottle. It's a, it's a corny uh, comparison, but like it's like a bottle of red. It comes from a vineyard. Sometimes it needs to just go on the shelf or, or a stock that you're investing in, like leave it alone, like come back in 10 years. Like it's going to do fine. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like in this industry right now, people see the success stories. They want to jump right into this digital business, go clean up weights, go train as many people as possible. Understand what it feels like to be exhausted, taking naps in, in, um, mechanical rooms, right? Like, you know, going to work at, you know, three 45 in the morning, which I was doing at drive for years. And, you know, you're back in and closing shop up. Like you need to go through this. I, I, I really do. I, I think if you find a high level of success without it, great, but there's this level of diversification that I have with business and which I feel like is stickier because I have gone through my, my, my resume is more full than, than most people in our, in our industry. So don't be afraid to work hard and make, make mistakes. Awesome. Beautiful. It's been really nice to get to know you, Don, and I hope uh, we have a chance to do it in person one day soon, but thanks for taking the time. Scott, I'd love it. If you're ever out in New York, hit me up, come out and get a workout. In. I will, sir. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.